how are you, bro? Revert. Dude, I'm good. I, I'm fresh in from New Orleans. <laughs> and how it was, was the, great. How was the trip? How was uh how was Mighty Nola? It was cool, man. It's pretty heavy metal. It's cultural immersion down there. It's a lot of a lot of good music, a lot of good eating, a lot of good oysters, you know what I mean? Just killing oh, yeah. shit. Yeah. And uh was was looking for Mike Nine from my hate god and was looking for Sammy from Goat Horror, but I couldn't find him. So it's okay. Must not have gone to sketchy enough places, man. Those I feel are... like I did. That's the thing. We hung out in oh, cemeteries yeah? a lot. That was cool. So their cemeteries are sweet. Fucking Kirk Winstein wasn't out there anywhere taking pictures and writing riffs. I asked. I asked around. One of my tour guides knew him. That was it. That is unfortunate. Maybe next time, man. Maybe next time you'll get to meet some New Orleans luminaries. I know. But no, it's good now. I'm back. I'm ready to get back on the back to the, the grind, back on my diet, you know, the whole thing. Oh, did you uh did you cut loose down in Nola? Deep, deep off the end. Fried everything, bread, fries. Uh yeah. But actually, like, you know, their cuisine's so good that it's like you don't feel unhealthy when you're when you're eating it. It's not like shitty. The quality is really good. So yeah, it's, of, it's all good. Some of, the, some of the Cajun shit can you can you can definitely make. I mean, I can make anything unhealthy. It's a skill that I have. But like some of that shit just on its own, like fucking jambalaya, uh, gumbo, those things aren't in and of themselves like right. uh, bad for you. It's just that if I'm going to fuck with those things, I'm going to eat an inordinate amount of them. Yeah, that's what happened. That's exactly yeah. what happened. You that's know, how you back. get big, baby. That's how you get big. <laughs> Trying to get stacked here. Trying to get stacked on the fucking gumbo diet. And Waterloo. Gumbo and carbonated water. Gumbo and Waterloo. I got my Waterloo right here. That's Sorry. how I know that the show is ready to begin when I get my Waterloo. Waterloo sparkling water. Um, Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to do like a, a, a pitch, but I couldn't come up with anything. Look, Waterloo. If you guys are listening right now, you should sponsor this show because Definitely. we drink this shit like there is no tomorrow. All the time. Wait, I, it, feel, I feel like like there's the yin and yang of, of podcasts by two dudes who love death metal. And like we are the light side and the dark side is death metal dicks. And they have a uh, they have a, a sponsorship from beerbong.com. So I don't know why we can't have like a sparkling water sponsorship i feel like that's fair i feel like that's balance what about it what about liquid death uh, i don't know i haven't tried it like i definitely applaud the marketing scheme because yeah. you know fuckers are uh drinking that shit but like i part of the only reason that i drink the carbonated water is because it has a taste and liquid liquid death as i understand it is just like straight flat unflavored water in a can is that correct that is true. They also have the carbonated variety, but it's not flavored. It's just carbonated. Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't necessarily um, like it that much. But they would be a good sponsor because it's death and water. Yes, we should. That's what I'm saying. Well, let's uh, scratch that. I fucking love liquid. Yeah, beer. I was I gonna live, say. Let's change the tune. I live by that shit. Um, yeah. It uh, it flows through my veins and it compels me, just like the power of Satan. Speaking of the speaking power of, of the power of Satan, will you go first? I was going to say, speaking of the power of Satan, why don't you tell these motherfuckers who we're talking to today? Today we are talking to. I get. Could you call him Metal Royalty? I guess maybe you could. I think I think you can. 
Today we are talking to, among many things, uh, the singer, and I believe he's the bassist, um, but in the video he's playing guitar, so I'm a little bit confused. Um, but he is uh, the singer and bassist slash guitarist of a new project called Go Ahead and Die. Um, he is also part of a band called Lodi Kong. He is also part of a stoner group called Healing Magic. The guy that we're talking to today is a young man by the name of Igor Cavalera Jr. Igor Cavalera Jr. I'm really excited, man. This is our, this could be our foot into, into foot in the door to the Cavalera just legacy. And we're I would like, I, I would love to. I would love to have the whole Cavalera clan on a podcast. That would be that would be fun to me. Um, it's it's interesting, man, because I I've literally been listening to this guy since he was a baby. Um, I so I, I I am and always have been like Sepultura is one of the bands that got me into heavy metal. Um, I followed yeah. Max into Soulfly. I've loved Soulfly for a very long time, and on the second Soulfly record, Primitive. Um, there is a song where Igor, just as a little bitty baby, um, opens the track and he's like, chow, chow! and so like that shit came out when I was in high school, man. I've literally been listening to this dude for a long, long time. Um, but one of the things that I think is really cool is that he has really stepped out of his dad's shadow. He is totally, um, I think he's really developed himself as a musician, sort of in a separate, not a separate genre, but definitely a separate subgenre. Um, doing a lot of punk type stuff, a lot of sludgy type stuff, a lot of stoner type stuff. Um, talented musician, really able to inhabit a whole lot of different styles uh, very seamlessly. And I, I think that that's really cool. And now um, he has teamed up with his dad and uh, with one of the dudes from Kimmy's. I believe it's Kimmy's is how you say it. They're a, a doom band. Um, and they have got this new group, Go Ahead and Die. They've dropped two singles so far. Um, both of them are heavy as fuck. It's definitely, um, you can definitely see the Max style riffing going on yeah, in these songs. That's what I was going to say. Yeah they're, yeah, they're they're heavy, man. That's really cool that he's doing that. Yeah, super, super heavy. There's a lot of thrash flavor to it. Um, and then you've got Igor doing the vocals and splitting those duties with Max Cavalera, splitting vocals with him. Um, I can't wait to hear this record, man. It comes out in June. Um, obviously, I would... Uh, follow fucking max to whatever it is that he puts out but it's super cool to see uh igor sort of front and center for this project um because i i think he's a talented dude and i hope that this opens a lot of doors for him uh to maybe get some more eyes on his other acts uh maybe they'll get out on the road with this thing once uh the world goes back to normal so we'll just we'll just see what happens and, and hope for the best keep our fingers crossed but on top of that, he's also a novelist. Apparently, he's published two oh. horror novels. Did you know that? No, I did not. What are we working with? Do you know about it, or you want to wait to ask him about it? I'm going to wait to get him. I want him to pitch it. Um, yeah. Because I don't want to. I don't want to. Uh, I feel comfortable sort of like describing the music, but I don't want to like pigeonhole any style of writing or something like that. Like I want. I want him to lay that out for us and for the people who are listening. Um, because I think that's definitely like an interesting when you hear about somebody who's in a metal band and in a number of different heavy bands and then find out that they have this whole different mode of productivity that they go into, whether it's writing or painting or something like that. I'm always interested um, in sort of the, what, what bleeds over from one of those things to the other. And I feel like it would probably be pretty cool to get him to chat with us about that. Just a blank canvas. Tell us what's going on. I'm excited, man. It'll be an interesting perspective to get from him on everything, too. So. For sure. The whole 
Sepultura, uh, Cavalera conspiracy, Soulfly kind of kind of thing. I I was never super into all of that until later. You know, they yeah. weren't something that weren't on my radar for a little bit. So that was always kind of confusing and weird to me, like the whole like lineage and like where where they sit and then the lineup changes and Sepultura. Like I I still am like piecing it together. So this is going to be like a cool podcast for me to hopefully like learn some shit and add some knowledge well, to the Cavalier. Yeah, I mean, I like I I got into Sepultura when Roots came out. That was my first Sepultura record. Um, I was yeah. in middle school. Uh, really loved that record. Um, like a many a number of people, I was bummed out when Max Cavalera left the band. But I actually ended up going on to enjoy uh, the the new version, the new lineup of Sepultura, um, as well as Max's stuff in Soulfly. Um, so that was back in like 1998, I think that all that stuff happened. And then a whole whole you know whole lot of different. Uh, stuff has gone on with that over the years of course max is incredibly prolific and is is doing a number of different things with a number of different bands but i think a lot of that passed on to igor as he is clearly a very prolific artist as well and he has just entered the waiting room why don't we get him in here what's up igor We need a little theme song while we wait for people to connect the audio. We no, we do. We need, a, we need to get a, a theme song to play. I think he's here now. Igor, can you hear us? I can. Let me turn on my video. Awesome, man. We there It's we not go. required, but we do love to see smiling faces looking back at us. I'm Schuler, man. I'm here with uh, Zach Belante from Death Comes Lifting. Uh, we are super excited to talk to you today. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, no, uh, you're welcome, and thanks for having me as well, man. It's a pleasure. I hope we're uh, going to have fun talk right now. <laughs> I, I, we typically do. We have, like, a really good track record of having, like, super good folks on here. It's always a good chat, always a fun chat, and we are certainly looking forward to chatting with you today. Um, where to start? I'm not really sure, because, like, we've got, we've got the musician, Igor Cavalera Jr., in front of us, but we've also got the writer, We've got, um, you know, you have a number of different pursuits. Um, and I think probably one of the ones that's front and center for you right now, maybe we can start with that and work backwards, um, is this new project, Go Ahead and Die. You guys have got the full length coming out in June. Uh, two singles dropped so far, fucking heavy record. Um, I can't wait to hear it. Tell us a little bit about how that came together and a little bit about the process behind that. Yeah, uh, first and foremost, it is an awesome project father son project i don't know if that's been done before in this genre of music um so that right there is is kind of was the main point for us it gave us a chance to jam together uh create right from scratch you know a full record a band a name an image all this stuff um so that was amazing you know the father son like bonding of it was great um and then Next, I would say, would be we wanted to make a record in this style. Um, you know, my father's been working with Soulfly, which is in a totally different genre. Uh, I have a band called Healing Magic, which is more like slow stoner stuff. Um, so we both just really, really were dying to make something that was like crusty and extreme, really gritty and rough around the edges type album. Um, so yeah, last year in 2020, when the pandemic hit, there was no shows, no tours. We were both free, 
no obligations with anything else. So it gave us the time to, to create the record from scratch then. That's awesome. So you guys just got together in a room and jammed. Basically, yeah. We, we went out to uh, my parents' own property uh, in like central Arizona out in the desert. Um, so we went and stayed there because there's like no distractions. The Wi-Fi is really slow. Uh, there's no neighbors. There, there, you know, nobody's going to go out of their way all the way out there in the desert, you know. Um, yeah. We could make noise till really late. So we would just get up and, and work on it every day for, for three or four months before we uh, before we made moves to go into the studio and stuff. I mean, it seems like a super productive way to put a project together and, you know, having the luxury of being able to just go out into the middle of nowhere and sort of cut out all the distractions. It almost feels like, I mean, number one, having a place where you can do that is awesome. But number two, it feels like COVID was a little bit of an opportunity for you guys, which I feel like that's definitely turning lemons into lemonade, right? Yeah, no, I mean, my dad is too busy for his own good, in my opinion. And to get him at home for that many months to make yeah. a band is is no easy feat so yeah COVID did actually uh, uh lend to to helping us in that yeah. sense well one and one of the things about your dad specifically you know his musical legacy is that he's just an incredibly prolific musician a number of different projects the guy never slows down he's done a whole lot of shit and looking at your resume it seems like a lot of that has carried over into the work that you do um, and I want to talk a little bit about your past projects and sort of figure out what the status is with them. Uh, but before we go there, I'm very curious about what got you into heavy music. I feel like on the surface, there might be like a, a, a story that a lot of people will probably anticipate. But I'm also wondering sort of where your other influences come from. Because like you said, um, with Go Ahead and Die, there is definitely like some crusty, grindy stuff going on. And we look back at other projects of yours like Lodi Kong. Uh, you're clearly influenced by punk. There's clearly a lot of other stuff going on than just sort of the groovy metal stuff that your that your dad is known for. Uh, so tell me a little bit about how you got into heavy music and how you, the, like the formula that is you was put together. Yeah, um, so you could say, uh, you know, how I was born, when I was born, all those things. I was born right right around the time Nailbomb was released. Um, so Roots came a little later and then Soulfly came a couple years after that. Um, so much of my young, young childhood was spent traveling with my folks and, and doing stuff like that before I went to school. Um, and then by the time I was going to school and making friends and doing that type of thing, it was like the early 2000s, which was uh, eventually at some point kind of the MySpace era. So <laughs> right. when I oh, first... I yeah, no, I, I think we all do. We try to forget it, but we remember. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, uh, so, you know, I heard like some of the basics from from just in the house or on the radio or something like that from my parents, like Sabbath, Maiden, you, you know, stuff like that. And that's, that's kind of what sparked it. Uh, I remember specifically seeing the, the Iron Maiden Fear of the Dark album cover. And before I even knew the music or anything, I was like, that's a sick cover, man. That's so like, you know, like so metal kind of horror looking almost. Yes, yes. Um, so it started like that. And then, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to have access to the internet and stuff as a kid. So once I knew about a handful of bands, I just like would go until my eyes were like red and it was like two in the morning, just looking up new bands and, and finding new stuff. And um, through that, I got into punk and from punk took step to thrash, from thrash to death metal, death metal to grind. And 
all of a sudden I, I felt like I knew about most genres, you know, and, uh, you know, that, that all happened for me pretty young. Um, you know, I, I feel like I had a foot in the door with who my parents were, but they never forced it, you know? So, so That's I had cool. a, oppor- you know, opportunity to see it and get into it if I wanted to, but yeah, they were never, you know, he would never just put on suffocation and force me to <laughs> listen to it, you know? He yeah, let me yeah. he let me come into my own and, and get into extreme stuff at my own pace. And, uh, you know, it's never forced. <laughs> I, and I think that that's really cool, man. Like, I, I don't I don't have kids and I'm lucky enough that the friends of mine who do have kids are sort of more in the more in the vein of what you're saying your folks were. But like one of the things that always sort of cracks me up is when I see like people on Instagram with like their kids dressed up as Star Wars characters like you're going to like <laughs> and fucking you know cramming the things that you love down your kids throats and so like giving them I feel like it must be especially rewarding um you know having a family with that kind of dynamic but also as a parent who loves that shit seeing your kids come into it and coming to love it naturally right that's really fucking cool yeah and and the you know the relationship that we had because of that was so much more enjoyable and stuff um because like my dad would take me to the record store and instead of me like dragging my feet and be like, can we go get ice cream or, you know, something <laughs> like that. Like I, I would actually just be totally enthused. Like, yeah, let's go look like shit. I just found an extreme noise terror, like seven inch or something random or, you know, and um, that, that was kind of how it started. And then I feel like with my other interests as a kid, uh, I was very heavily into like skateboarding and, and stuff like that. Uh, I was really into horror movies and horror books and stuff like, and same, like, I feel like it all goes together weirdly. It, it's oh, different sure. things, but you know, they all, uh, they all share certain uh, themes and, and stuff in common. So I, yeah, you know, as a, as a young teen, it, it, my dad was the one who was like, Oh, you want to go to the skate shop? All right, let's go over to the skate shop. You know? Oh, you want to go to the record store? All right, I'll take you to the record store. Let's go look at stuff. And it was really natural because it, it was actually what I wanted to do. Yeah, so, so you grew into loving the music naturally. Around when did you decide that you were interested enough in it that you wanted to start playing it? Like, was there a was there something that clicked where you were like, "This is this is what I want to do," or did that happen a little bit more slowly? Like, when did you decide that you were going to start making your own music? Uh, I think I think I always knew I was going to take a shot at it at some point. Yeah. Um, just going on the road, seeing my father play and stuff like that, I, I would. I was always really proud. Um, some of my other siblings, I remember when we were kids would sometimes be like, Oh God, he's playing metal when he's picking us up from school <laughs> and like stuff like that. And I was never like that. I was, I was always super stoked. I was always like, yeah, my, my dad's the guy rocking the house right now. That's so cool. You know? <laughs> um, so I, I always wanted to do it cause I felt like I had it in me and uh at the same time i feel like uh my father and i have totally different personalities uh he's he's very spunky and off the walls and kind of creative or, or kind of chaotic with his creativity whereas like i try to be a little slower and reserved and think about stuff and map it out and and, and write ideas down in journals and stuff like that he's much more uh just on the fly let's come up with it right here in the moment um but I think that's cool, you know, because I, I grew up watching him. I learned some stuff from him, but I've always uh, chosen to, to go my own path, yes. my own sound, my own identity, 
Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't want to fall into the trope of, of sounding like him because people sure. want me to, or, yeah. uh, acting like him because people want me to, um, you know, we're totally different. That's what's, that's what you'll see in go ahead and die is there is two different writers. There's, you know, so many different dynamics going on that you can tell it's, it's multiple people involved. Yeah, for sure. I, and I, I 100% agree with the two songs that we've, that we've heard so far. Um, now you, your was Lodi Kong your first band? I've had I had a, a couple of bands before Lodi okay. Kong, but they ne- they never really did anything uh-huh. seriously. I would say Lodi Kong was the first band that we did nationwide tours okay. and and made multiple recordings and, and got signed and all that jazz. Yeah. So when we go back, like when we go back and we look at your output thus far, right? Um, very diverse, definitely a whole lot of influences coming into it. Specifically, it's interesting to hear that you got, that you found a lot of the music that you ended up sort of incorporating into your own sound on MySpace, right? Because I think that that, you know, as much as we laugh about some of the, you know, the more ridiculous aspects of it now, like the internet is a massive uh, force for, for being able to sort of connect with shit um, that you just wouldn't be able to find otherwise, right? Um, and so to know that that yeah. played a role, you know, especially having as much influence as, as you did just sort of around the house in your life, right? Um, to know that that played a role in your creative process early on is, is, is pretty cool, man. Yeah, no, it's one of those things uh, I consider myself lucky where I, w- I was born in the mid-90s. So it, it was still before a lot of the technological things that we have, uh, such yeah. as what we're doing right now. Um, this like this would have been something in Terminator where no they shit, have like right? a little screen on the wall and they talk to each other, you know, like, but so I, I can remember times when I was a kid before a lot, a lot of the things we have, but as I came into age, the, the technology kind of grew with me. And yeah, so by, like I said, by the time I was a teenager and things like MySpace and stuff were there, I felt like I had the power at my fingertips to learn about anything, to engage myself into into new subjects and stuff like that and uh that that was just sort of where it started and then from there i wanted to get records and start filling up shelves and collecting and 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 getting a little more into it but yeah it definitely it helped uh having such a useful tool uh at your disposal basically sure Uh, yes and and like it's with sort of the different um the different influences that we see coming in, um, going from the sort of punkier, sludgier stuff that you that you did with Lodi Kong into Healing Magic. Um, you guys put out an EP last year in 2020 called Restoration. Uh, like you said earlier, definitely sort of a more stoner vibe. Um, definitely, it's it's heavy, right? But it's definitely like a different kind of heavy than I think anybody who's like familiar with Lodi Kong would maybe expect from you. So how did that project come together and sort of what's the status in healing magic now? Uh, healing magic, I would say was, was born out of Lodi Kong. Um, Lodi Kong came to sort of an unexpected hiatus. Uh, things got really busy with my brother and Soulfly, yeah. and we were at home waiting to jam and waiting to write and doing stuff a lot. So it eventually just came to a head where it was like, Hey, you do that with them. I'm going to do my own thing. If we can reconnect in the future and make stuff happen, we'll just have to see if that happens. But 
Um, yeah, as of like 2018, Lodi Kong's been on hiatus and I started healing magic um, just because I could add more dedication to it. Um, I, I found a drummer, uh, the only other member, we're actually a two piece. Um, you know, I, I found a dude who was, who was willing to, to be in it for the long haul and, and, and down to be there for tour. And he's not in a ton of other bands that will occupy his time and stuff like that. So um, yeah, it was definitely bored to just be kind of like my baby that I could just sit and, and work on and dedicate as much time as I want and with no, no distractions, no nothing like that. Um, and yeah, like you said, we have an EP out. Uh, last year, we actually recorded a full length as well with uh, Steve Austin from Today's the Day. Nice. And uh, it's, it's currently getting kind of wrapped up on mixing and mastering and stuff like that. We're having some fun adding little effects and noises and, and shit like that. But um, that's probably going to come out later this year um, with Go Ahead and Die coming out in June. We need a space the space of releases far enough but uh i would actually more consider healing magic my main band um as much as i really love go ahead and die um there there will obviously be times when my dad is doing soul flyer kill to be killed uh cavalier conspiracy stuff yeah. like that so um healing magic is what i will be doing uh full time you could say and uh it's a really cool idea um now that we've actually developed it it's actually turning into this crazy like fantasy epic saga that will span like multiple records and shit like that. It's this really big grand idea that's going to take years to execute, but um, we're, we're just nurturing it and, and album by album going to put it out and tell the story. And, and Fucking awesome. It, it and there's, there's influences there that I think are, are definitely things that sort of speak to me. Um, I can hear like a little bit of Caius in there. I can hear a little bit of weed eater in there in places um were you i'm also now stoked to find out that you recorded with steve austin um how how was that did you go to his studio like uh no actually it, it was a really really like personal awesome experience uh i actually got to kind of befriend steve in 2018 uh when we did nail bomb performing uh point blake right. today's the day was the opener on the second run of that um and uh yeah we've just kind of been friends i've put them up at our place a couple of times when they played phoenix and stuff like that and uh steve's just a really awesome dude and and when it came time to do the record uh johnny and me uh wanted to do something just kind of different take a different approach to the recording process you know a lot of albums end up just being like almost like sterilized in a studio a little bit yeah. where you're out of your comfort zone and stuff like that. So um, we practice at, at my parents' pad out in the desert as well. So we were like, why don't we just find somebody to come out here and do the album with us? And we'll do this nice. kind of tripped out psychedelic recording journey in the middle of the desert. And uh, that's like exactly what it was. Um, Steve yeah. actually flew from Maine to Arizona with like, I want to say $30,000 worth of recording gear that he got insured and protected and be put him into travel cases and stuff like that. Um, but they all, all the, all the gear made it to Arizona safely. We set up at our pad and did it totally DIY with him. And in my opinion, it sounds great. And it, 
truly sounds like a, a old heavy metal record. There's no other way to put it. Um, it really has that uh, original vibe of like bands like Sabbath and Judas Priest, but it, it definitely dips into the ambience and sludge of like Neurosis or Kylesa or Caius um, while still having a little smidge of, of punk attitude and edge to it. Um, you know, and it was just great. I, I really can't stress it enough to, to do an album in, in the house. You yeah. know, we, we would wake up in the morning and be able to just go straight into work and do all that. Um, and the album itself is a, is a concept record too that uh, takes place in the desert and stuff like that. So it really, it just all tied together into this crazy, magical thing i I don't know it's it's crazy (laughs) well it sounds it's i mean crazy is good though right i mean it sounds like you've got a whole lot of different shit going on and i i I think the sort of the sound that you have on the ep trying to think of like how that's going to be filtered through sort of the chaotic process that you expect from steve austin i think it's going to be very (laughs) exciting um and so the, the the concept part kind of segues into uh the other passion of yours creative passion of yours right now um we uh, we mentioned it before you came on but we also said that we wanted you to be the one to sort of pitch this um to the people who are listening sort of explain it for everybody in addition to the concept work that you've done with healing magic and which is going to be like you said spaced out over a number of different albums um you're a novelist as well correct yes self-proclaimed tell us about that shit um, yeah, no, uh, as much as I love metal growing up, um, my, my other passion was reading and, and horror flicks and stuff like that. Um, so as I got older, uh, I think I was probably 17 or 18 when I really started taking it seriously and, and, uh, and making like a, a full fledged story. Uh, it, it was natural. Once again, it was something I didn't really like second guess or anything i just wanted to do it so i was like how do i do it well i write pages okay those pages suck let's go back let's get everything that's good out of it and now we got two pages that are good and so on and so forth you know trial and error trial and error write some stuff trash it restart do it again you know it takes years to really get a style that you like and uh, feel proud of and and yeah like I said I started doing it I don't I don't even know exactly somewhere between like 16 and 18 um, and I didn't put anything out until I was 22 so I really I sat and molded and was nervous and this and that you know but uh, eventually I was like I gotta set this thing free or I'm just gonna edit it for like three decades and never never put anything out you know keep changing it stuff so uh, I, I eventually put it out and it got some pretty good reactions. So I was like, holy shit, this might be something that I can do. Um, as scary as it is and, and nerve wracking, putting out some personal uh, like written stuff, you know, it's, it, it's hard enough being a lyricist. Like I, I remember when I was a teenager making a band, no one wants to write lyrics or be the singer or be the guy that has to do that. That's how I ended up uh, being that guy myself, you know, it's nobody else would do it. But uh, when you do uh, 50 to 60,000 words in one package, that's even more nervous at the start, you know, but uh, now I have two now. Yeah, I feel pretty good about them. And I'm working on a third and a fourth. And I'm kind of like having ideas 
all over the place and just working on them as I can. Uh, but it's really, it's just a passion of mine. I, I just love books. I love collecting them. Um, I, I, I live in Florida now. I have one collection of books here and I still have a whole collection of books in, in Phoenix at my parents' house where I grew up. Cause I just like, I buy more than I probably can ever read, but I just, uh, my passion for it is, is that alive? You know, I just, I want them. I want them all. <laughs> Guilty, man. I know, I know the feeling. Um, a lot of that definitely, <laughs> definitely resonates with me. So when you, when you sit down to write, right, it does sound like it's a very natural process and, it, it, you know, going through the whole process of sort of getting things out on the page, uh, killing your darlings and refining it and tweaking it and everything like that. What do you want a story that you write? What do you want a book that you write? What do you want characters that you write to do for your audience? I want it to be immersive. That's, that's really big to me is the, is the, the immersion into the story. Um, that's what I personally like about reading. I love books that just take me right into there with the characters uh, where I'm caring about it. I'm curious. I want to know what's happening. Um, so when I write, I try to keep it the same way. Um, I, I try to keep it just, uh, you know, focused to the point, get the story across, get the reader into it. Don't confuse them. Don't take them out of their realm because it's very easy to do that. You know, it's very easy to overwrite and, and stuff like that. So I, I like it to just be a, a focused, effective, you know, form of, of entertainment that will instantly take the person somewhere else, you know, right into the story. I want you to, to feel the ground the character's walking on and smell yeah. what he's smelling and, and uh, feel it the way they are. Uh, so that's, that's what I go for personally. Do you feel like that immersive quality is something that the music that you create is shared uh, with the stuff that you write? Is that, do you sort of draw inspiration like across the board from those two things? A lot of times with creative people who, uh, jump from one medium to another you see sort of this really interesting bleeding over of the creative process there does that happen with you yeah um somebody actually asked me something similar to that yesterday funny enough um it's like how i put it was it's two totally different creations you know but very similar form of creating um how i come up with songs and how i come up with books do have some similarities uh because I just feel like I'm a story driven person. That's what I enjoy out of music and, and books and, and life really, you know, I like, I love just the story of it all. And when I, when I do both, you know, both forms of creating, it comes from that same pool. It's just going into a different format. You could say, uh, filling a different mold. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, I, I write horror novels. I'm in, Dungeons and Dragons style fantasy heavy metal band. I'm also in a uh, uh, sort of political dystopian type uh, band as well with Go Ahead and Die. So, yeah. you know, it, I, I think it's important that each thing I create has its own identity sure. and and stuff like that. And that's, that's definitely how I approach music, books, everything like that. I like it to all stand uh, on its own, uh, you know, because to me that makes me more proud of my work. For sure. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it sounds like just listening to you talk about it, it sounds like you were very much like driven to create things that you yourself would also enjoy. And I think as, you know, for, for 
creative people, especially creative people who are very prolific, I think it can sometimes be a little bit easy to jump out of that groove and just start doing it out of habit rather than out of passion. But it sounds like you have, you know, you sound meticulous. You sound like the things that you're doing are the things that you are setting out to do. Um, and that's definitely admirable as an artist, right? Um, one of the yeah. things that you've, that you've mentioned a couple of times so far, um, you know, you're a horror novelist and you mentioned sort of getting into horror when you were younger. Uh, we want to talk to you about horror, man. Um, yeah. Where do we Zach, begin? <laughs> yeah, Zach, Zach, hit him with some horror stuff. Let's find out where Igor's coming from. <laughs> well, yeah, well, I feel like the obvious place to start here is just the uh, movies, the, you know, the fir first one that might have hooked you and got you involved in the creation of the, you know, there's something different between us horror nerds and just people that like horror movies. Like we see this stuff and we're like, oh. I want to take this and create something and have a similar effect on somebody else. So like, what was it about horror that hooked you and makes you want to create your own story? Uh, to me, horror is, uh, it's like the heavy metal of movies and of books. It's, uh, you know, to, to me, you can, you can write horror and be an intellectual, but still be a badass sure. and, and stuff like that. You know, and that's sure. how I've always looked at it, you know, is, uh, uh, be smart, but but uh, it's still fun to have a little shock and a little bit of, uh, you know, up in people's faces type stuff like that. And uh, I just I felt like the two just went together when I was young. I, I don't even know how to explain it. Um, I, I think as far back as I can remember, I was probably like five years old and I would ask my dad to put on it. And uh, oh, the, the one with Tim Curry. And yeah, I would get to the same part every single time, like where. He he morphs when he's in the sewer and the teeth come out. Yeah. And I would I would run screaming out of the room every single time that until I was like, yeah. And I think, but it was a weird thing because I would always come back and be like, let's try to watch it this time, you know. <laughs> and like he'd put it on and we'd get through like the whole rainy day intro and all that stuff. And then like it would get to that same scene. And I eventually got over it and we went to a new movie from there. I think it was either like the exorcist or, or pet cemetery or phantasm, yeah. something oh. like that. Um, so you know, and just the, those, those classics were kind of what captivated me as a kid. Um, e even stuff as far as like jaws and shit like that. I was like that, that movie's terrifying. And it's like, it's almost made in a, in a real world way, but I just, I don't know. I love the, that it pushes reality in certain ones it's so horror so versatile you know it could be murders and kidnappings it could be ghost stories it could be yeah. possessions uh demons uh, you know even getting into sci-fi other worlds dimensions things like that like it can can go in so many different directions and uh i just i, I love it all man i, I yeah, can't we, i can't get enough of it <laughs> we had uh we had austin from from outer heaven on here a while back and one of the things that he is really interested in um is is a genre that he calls pseudo horror um so it's movies that are not necessarily horror movies but that have that same kind of like psychological punch to them um, okay. and that is something that i'm really into as well um does that does like sort of the you know, you say you're into all of it, but is there anything that you're a little bit more inclined towards? Like, do you like the heady psychological stuff or are you like a gore hound? Like every now and then you start to see people sort of 
sink into one of those little areas of horror deeper than another one? Like, is that, are, do you still find yourself all the way across the border? Is there a certain sort of subgenre of horror that feels like home? Uh, if I had to pick a specific one, uh, mostly like supernatural haunting yeah. type stuff, um, stuff that really pushes the bounds, you know, uh, I mean, I guess it could get into psychological. I love yeah. stories where people lose their minds. I love hallucinations, yeah. shit like that. Um, and yeah, so I feel like ghost stories and things like that are kind of would be my, my biggest jam. I, I love stuff that makes you feel like you would see that and be the only person who saw it and nobody else sees it because it's a haunting or whatever, you know, like I love books yeah. like that that make you feel sort of like alienated and, and yeah. freaked out and like, you know, kind of like, is it happening? Is it not? Is it like a dream, a vision, a hallucination? Is it, is it actually happening? You know, I love stuff like that. Um, and to me, I love getting scared by like atmosphere. That's that's yeah. big to me. I actually went to I went to see uh, on on tour once. It was Stephen King and George R. R. Martin just doing a talk together. Uh, it, it was amazing. But I remember one thing Stephen King said is uh, always try to scare him with the atmosphere first. Yeah. And then, you know, with your monsters second, and then save the gore for last. I think yeah. is what he said. He was like, if you got no other options, then start going into the getting hacked up or eating yeah. alive and stuff like that. But he said, you know, always try to scare them with the with the the air of it before yeah. anything, because that's what matters. So that that's once again, back to the immersion yeah. and stuff like that. I feel like ghost stories really they get you into the mindset of, of wherever that's happening and 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 what's happening to this person, their mind and body and everything. Is, is there a genre you prefer to read rather than watch or vice versa? Uh, I would probably rather read sci-fi than watch sci-fi. I don't know what it is. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. definitely more interesting to me uh, to, to read about it because I invent it myself. Um, I feel like so many sci-fi type like whether they're horror or just more on the fantasy side, but I feel like especially with it's science fiction, like can kind of just turn into like the same old, like star Wars, star Trek type kind of vibes. Um, whereas like reading it, you'll invent your yeah. own, your own version of it, stuff yeah. like that. That's that, that intersection of like horror and sci-fi that's, that's where I go. My favorite genre of, of horror movies is shit goes wrong in space. Like that oh, to me, I think is like, it's that isolation is there, that immersion is there, but then also sort of the, the fact that the environment is a bad guy. And then that maybe there's also this other thing that's a bad guy as well, I think, I think is pretty tight. And it's interesting that you mentioned Stephen King. Um, and we're talking about sort of this back and forth between books and films. I think, I think the way he develops atmosphere is what makes his movies or his books so fucking difficult to adapt into movies, right? <laughs> A lot yeah. of that shit, a lot of that shit is just really, really hard, like you said, to take something that you can sort of create in your own mind based on the words that someone else has given you rather than just like seeing it right out there, like fully formed and everything. I don't, I always feel like there's something missing. And like for me with horror, the shit that is scariest is, is, is my imagination, right? Yep. Like movies like Blair Witch Project, um, that first, uh, fuck, what was it? the new Blair Witch Project type movie. Um, 
There's like five of them now. Why am I blanking on Paranormal this? activity. Paranormal activity, oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, okay. When they yeah, like yeah. when they open the fucking door and there's like those chicken paw looking prints in that powder oh, yeah. thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, dude, yeah. when you when you give me something like that that I can populate with my own fear or whatever, like that scares the fuck out of me more than any like CGI or like monster costume or anything like that. So like getting to talk to somebody else who's really into that sort of element or who at least understands it and appreciates it is is tight man and, and i'm sure that if you admire that that much in other people's work that's something that you definitely work to put into your own um which again is really cool to sort of see the relationship between the things that we sort of consume as fans and the things that we create as artists yeah no it, it, you can see the parallels there they're, they're obvious you know but um uh no i totally agree with you on the uh like things are scarier when you make them yeah um i i think you know, that was kind of like the, the like Lovecraft style of writing of yeah. do it, do everything but describe what the guy is seeing and then it'll make it infinitely more horrifying. Um, all, I actually, all you know I, is that all you know is that that motherfucker saw it and went mad. Like exactly. That's that's no, exactly. Um, so, yeah, no, I've de I definitely think it's important to 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 leave parts of the book up to the imagination of the reader um, it should not be spoon fed to you what's happening too much. You should be guessing and, and, uh, and coming up with it. And, uh, you know, it's funny that you bring this up. I actually remember when I was, uh, I was writing drafts of my second book called negative legend, which is, uh, I'll talk about it openly. It's been out for a while. Uh, it's basically about a kidnapping, which is done by like a late 1800s, witch who has been alive for like 130 years or whatever, up until more recent times. Um, but there's a scene in it where uh, she's about to hack up this kid and cook it in a fucking cauldron. And she's, uh, she summons these like, I don't know, zombie kids or whatever out of her cauldron. And uh, I wrote a part where the character only sees the, the hand coming up out of the lid of the cauldron and then it stops. And yeah. I remember my mom was like, why didn't you just like keep going with it? And I'm like, because I want you to come up with yeah. what's coming out of the cauldron. Like, you know, it's a, it, yeah. I don't want to, you know, make it, make it your own thing. Whatever's coming out of there. You just see the fingertips and cut it there, you know, yeah, fingertips in a scream and onto the next scene, you know, yeah. like when, when you have to, when you, when you put that in the audience's hands, I think is when <laughs> they are probably going to, to come up with something that's scarier than anything that you could describe. Right. And in a way, that sort of feeds into the to the way that we enjoy music. Yeah, like a lot of a lot of the intent and a lot of the um, sort of the design that I think musicians put into the music that they create um, really sort of begins and ends with them. As soon as you release that and somebody else listens to it and enjoys it or whatever, like it becomes something else for that person. Um, and so that's that's another interesting way that I think that music and, and at least that kind of writing uh, sort of share DNA. Like, do you do you feel like putting a concept into music is going to make sort of make sort of the 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 intent behind the music that you're creating a little bit more easy for people to find? Or like how how did it come to be that you decided to put concept music in, or at least a concept into um, the upcoming Healing Magic record? Um, well, it definitely comes down to, once again, just my love of storytelling and, and 
things of that nature in general. Um, I've been reading so much like high fantasy lately. Like I'm currently reading Wheel of Time and uh, I want to, you know, I, I just been on a kick of like, let me get the magic and the swords and everything out, you know? <laughs> um, so I had the idea of doing my own like saga or whatever you could call it. But instead of doing it through some 900 page novels over 50 years, I was like, let's do let's do a handful of albums over maybe like 10 years. And it's a little yeah. more uh, it's a little bit more of an uh, instant gratification. Yeah. Um, not to say I won't write a, a 50 year long series at some point, just not now. Um, yeah. But no, I mean, it, it really. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, no, I mean, it just comes down to that love, love of all that stuff. And um, to be honest, I, I've been going through an interesting time of life. I've moved. I'm, I'm dealing with some things with my diabetes, things like that. Um, so I just I, I felt like I was in a huge phase of needing to like heal myself. And uh, and I wanted to write about it, but I didn't want to literally just write I'm sad or I'm sick or something like that. So I was like, what's a cool way to like put this, put all this shit into something. And uh, I thought like, well, why don't we write about a, a internal struggle between this good and evil, uh, like good wizard, evil demon tyrant type thing. And uh, you know, at the end, the wizard like saves the world and, and heals everything. And that's kind of where the name like healing magic and stuff like that comes from is uh you know the the concept of the stories and, and stuff like that you know but it's it's definitely just my own feelings and thoughts and stuff put into into music in a in a fictional way uh which i think most writers will do uh whether or not they realize it you know i think some people subconsciously write about what's going on in their life and stuff like that um, i actually just took a literal intention towards it to just just write about stuff you know yeah. So how, how long have you been in Florida and how'd you, how'd you end up there? Uh, I moved here in 2019, uh, okay. but my, my wife who I've been uh, dating since I was like 17, we've been together really long time. Um, yeah. Her family lives over here. So for a while she lived in Phoenix with me, but we would like come visit here and vacation here and do stuff like that. Um, and in 2019, uh, when I switched the, when I, you know, this was just after I uh, switched bands and started over and I was, I was having some health things and stuff like that going on. Um, I've actually been a type one diabetic basically since I was born, if you didn't yeah. know. Um, so oh, I've, had a really... <laughs> I've read the liner notes, my dude. I, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. No, the it's foundation. good to know, man. I, I like that you guys did your homework. Uh, it's awesome. But you know, so I was just going through kind of a crazy time and we, we were, we'd been in the desert for a while and it was one of those things like, Hey, let's uh, just go over there. Let's, let's live with your family for a little while. Let's try to get my health in order, do some things like that. And uh, now it's been almost two years and uh, I got to say, I like it. It's cool. We're like a mile from the ocean. Uh, it's like a complete night and day switch from Phoenix. Um, so uh, I, I think it's awesome. Like when I go see swamps and shit, I'm like, I feel like I'm on another planet. <laughs> where, where the slime live, baby. What, exactly. <laughs> uh, what part What part of Florida are you in? You don't have to say the town or anything, but are you like Panhandle, East Coast, West Coast? 
Uh, I'm on the the west side of the peninsula. I'm on the on the Gulf, like just south of Tampa. Nice, nice. Yep, right in How's the heart the of the death metal. Yeah, no shit, dude. You're you're like soaking that shit in through osmosis down there. What's the weather like in fucking Florida right now, man? Uh, it's hot and getting yeah. muggy, and it's about to rain every day for like three months. Yeah, <laughs> pretty big switch. I don't know. That's not. It's it's a switch from Phoenix, but also not. Like I visit when I was out in Phoenix for a few weeks in 2008 during monsoon season, and uh, dude, that shit was fucking crazy, man. Like it, it just massive amounts of rain came out of nowhere, and like the people who lived there shit their pants. Like they did not, they were not prepared. It was wild. Um, yeah. But I can imagine that the, the, the rainfall in Florida is probably a pretty big, pretty big switch for you. Yeah, no, it's, it's a, it's a totally different lifestyle. Uh, I've noticed some things in common between Arizona and Florida, like they're both hot, just yeah. one's dry, one's wet, you know, pick your poison type thing. Uh, we both get snowbirds, people from up north who come down and vacation and do stuff like that. Um, you know, we're, we're we both, both both love guns. Both love guns. That's for damn sure. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm not myself in there. I could care less about yeah. having guns. Uh, yeah. You know, but no, I definitely grew up in some areas where that's pretty heavy stuff. But uh, oh, yeah. no, it's cool. I, uh, I I look at it as just knowledge, you know. Uh, I know how to live in the blistering heat of the desert. I know how to live in the, the coastal swamps. And uh, who knows? I might try somewhere else in this lifetime. You never know. <laughs> Which is, you know, I think a pretty open way to be. Pretty tight, man. Um, so recently, we've, we've, we've been doing this podcast for about a year now. And we've avoided, uh, for a lot of it, asking about tour plans um, with musicians because everything's been so up in the air. Um, but you know, recently, not too long ago, Deicide announced this fucking tour that's going to start in August. And it seems like more bands are starting to think about getting back on the road. Um, not asking you to spoil any plans that maybe haven't been announced yet, assuming there are, but do you, do you have any particular band, any project that you're planning on getting that on the road on sometime soon? Is there any kind of plan in place? Uh, with Healing Magic and Go Ahead and Die, uh, I would really like to get back on the road um we, we're obviously working on like getting vaccinated things like that um so that we can we can be on the road and be safe as well yeah. um but yeah like you said nothing's concrete uh even if we did book shows uh it's a matter of seeing if they happen when that time comes um so we we don't have anything in the books yet but we we certainly want to um with, with both bands i feel like they're portrayed and will be accepted better live uh just be just because of the intensity the 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 rawness of it all uh the old school vibe that that i'm so damn insistent on uh it, it always comes across better live in my opinion so um i i would like to as soon as i can but uh i'm also uh taking the stance that i don't think anybody should get sick and die to come see me play music so um you know once that is a is not an issue anymore come see me play but i'm not you know i'm not so desperate that i need uh to rush into something that could be potentially dangerous i think that that's a super responsible move to make man <laughs> and I, I think that a lot of a lot of people especially career musicians are finding themselves in a situation where you know, the money's run out and, you know, they got to get back on the road and it's not coming from anywhere. And so to know, 
to know that that's got to be a hard choice for a lot of people to make, but then at the same time to know that you're like taking responsibility and putting a lot of thought into that is really cool to hear, man. And from those of us who plan on seeing you eventually, uh, we appreciate it. I would much rather not have to make the choice of like, you know, going to see somebody that I really want to see like in July when half the people there might not have been vaccinated or whatever, as opposed to hopefully by the fall um, when everybody's had shots and everybody's ready to get back out and enjoy some live music. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, I look at it as it's one of those things like, you know, a lot of people would think metalheads are gruff and I don't give a shit. I'll get sick and die. It don't make no difference. Whatever. <laughs> like, I'm way too much of a softy to be like that. Like, I feel bad when somebody gets their nose broken in the pit or something. I'm like yeah. the first dude to be like, hey, do you need help? You need us to like drive you to the doctor? Like, you know, like, like yeah. I'm all for moshing and enjoying heavy metal and stuff, but uh, it, it should never be a, uh, should never be a dangerous environment. Uh, should never be uh, beyond, beyond the bounds of, of moshing and having fun. You know, it's, it's music at the yeah. end of the day. It's, it's not a political movement or a, sure. so, some type of ideology. It's music, you know, so nobody should ever be in, in danger at a show. Well, and I, I think that listening to the way that you have described what goes into the music that you create, especially um, just thinking about sort of the on the fly nature of the writing that took place for Go Ahead and Die, it sounds like fun is very much a priority for you in creating and playing music as well. So that makes perfect sense. Yeah, it's entertainment. At, yeah. the, at the end of the day, uh, I won't beat around the bush and make it something more than it is. Uh, it is entertainment. And like I said, I mean, no one should ever, ever have to come into serious uh, conflict or danger at a show ever. Everything should be able to be squashed and move on. You know, it's uh, one of those things. And, uh, you know, with Go Ahead and Die, there's there's so much lyrical content of, of acceptance, social acceptance and tolerance and things like that, that. You know, we really want people to know, like, you're welcome at our shows, unless you're a bigot. You know, you're welcome at our shows as, as long as you're accepting of other people. And, uh, you know, we, we want everyone to be welcome at our shows. You know, there, there's no reason that uh, people of color should be targeted by neo-Nazis and shit like that. There's no reason uh, women in the scene should have to get harassed by drunk dudes all the time. I, uh, I bring my wife on tour. And she has like the thickest hide ever selling merch for us because like she gets nothing but dudes talking to her all night long being creepy and shit, you know, and it's just like, yeah. it shouldn't be like that. You know, it should, it should be much different. People should feel safe and, and feel like they can go to a show without being fucking harassed or targeted or, or, or picked on even, you know? Well, and I, <laughs> I think one of the I think part of what's going to get us there, right, is having vocal people with a lot of visibility sort of doing a top down approach and saying, like, these are the things that we want. And this is what we expect from the people who show up to our shows. And there's no reason that whatever it is that you get out of this music can't be something that doesn't have to victimize somebody else who is there with you. Right. Um, exactly. Whether we're talking about skin color, whether we're talking about gender, whether we're talking about any anything that can get a person isolated and put in a position where they feel like they don't belong um and so to know that you are you know putting that out there 
um, and and being vocal about it, I think like that's that's how progress gets made, right? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, just trying to take small actions. Um, I've had shows haven't happened uh, for a while, but uh, I was actually I came up with this idea of uh, having kind of a code word with our bands, where uh, if someone's harassing you or someone's uh, bothering you, come up to our merch booth and order something in particular, and we'll. Uh, either get you behind the table or call you a ride home or make sure you get home safe or something like that. Because uh, a lot of people are, are getting harassed or getting bothered, yeah. but too intimidated to uh, say anything. And I mean, we tour with a lot of uh, uh, scary, strong, big, tough guys, you know? So yeah. if you ever are feeling like that, I, I uh, obviously we're not doing shows now, but I do want to, institute a policy of, of come up and order a 5xl shirt and you know that'll be code word for That's the code word can, can you guys give me a hand or help me out or, or get me a ride home or something like that um because yeah you know a lot of uh, a lot of abuse and harassment goes on at shows and it's it's hard to to monitor everything especially being in a band because you you have your own show and your gear and your merch and all these things to worry about but uh, you know, try to go the extra step and, and think about your fans and think about who's in the crowd and, uh, you know, keep your shows, yeah. keep your shows clean and, and I, fun. <laughs> I, I feel like like that kind of responsibility um, on behalf of the artist to sort of advocate for the most vulnerable people in their audience, I think is incredibly selfless. And I think it's progressive. And I think that it's something that the metal community will definitely benefit from man so thank you very much for talking about that on the podcast yeah. thank you for coming on man i usually <laughs> no, don't say this i usually <laughs> don't say this until after you guys get off but what a good dude it's been <laughs> great you. talking to you man yeah no um, i just i'm honestly like i love metal and horror and writing about like crazy stuff but i'm a super wholesome married guy just living down south like yeah. You know, like I, I just want metal and things like that to, to just be like a fun, inviting community for people to join. Because for I think for too long, it's it's been gate kept and 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 just toxic, you know, no other way to really put it. And, uh, you know, I think we can fix all that to where it still has the awesome things like packed shows and stage diving and moshing and having a great time and, and even, you know having drinks and, and catching a buzz and having a good time, you know, like all those things can, can happen in a safe environment. If we, if we just, you know, each do our part. <laughs> hopefully. And hopefully we will, we will get there sooner rather than later. Um, yeah, definitely. <laughs> all right, man, we have, uh, we're just about to the end of the podcast. We have got a very, very serious question that we've got to ask you. It's something that's come up in conversation already a couple of times. So I'm very oh, excited shit. to hear what the answer is. We yeah. ask everybody this question. Stakes are super high. So take a minute if you need to think about it. Zach, do the honors. Thank you both. Igor, what is your favorite Black Sabbath album? Sabbath, bloody Sabbath. Nice. Look at Honestly. that. Didn't even, no hesitation whatsoever. A man who knows what he likes. We don't get that answer that often. Um, yeah. what's, what do you like that makes that one stand out for you? It's so grim. Like, it's so dark and like rainy and just yeah. like evil. And uh, I, I read one once somewhere, I think it was with Geezer Butler, they were doing an interview. And uh, he said that they, you know, they wrote Sabbath four in California 
And that's why it has songs like Laguna Sunrise, and it's like almost a little happier than all their other records. And uh, he said they went to write their fifth record in California as well and just hated it, like did not like it at all. So they they went back to England, bought a castle, and wrote <laughs> Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath in a castle. So I don't know. I've always just like thought that was the coolest shit ever. <laughs> like, oh shit. <laughs> yeah. If you need to change the vibe, change the space. And if you have yeah. the means to get a castle with a fucking dungeon in it to record your record in it, Dude. do that shit. Go for it. <laughs> for real. It goes back to atmosphere we were talking Absolutely. about earlier. Exactly. Yeah, the atmosphere is, is there on Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath, without absolutely a doubt. Is, without <laughs> a doubt. And, and riffs aplenty. Dude, thank you so much for coming on. We are absolutely looking forward to hearing new healing magic. Absolutely looking forward to go ahead and die. Hopefully everything gets back to normal sooner rather than later so you can get back out on the road and we can hopefully all meet up somewhere. Again, Igor, thank you so much for your time, man. Have thanks, a great bro. day. Yeah. No, you guys are most welcome and, and thanks for having me as well. This was actually one of the funnest interviews i've done in a while i we really didn't even talk about bands that much which is uh for me that's great i I like to remind people i'm a person who uh who has interests outside of my bands and stuff so it was it was great that's that's how we we try to we try to build the podcast is is less of an interview and just more of a sort of chill conversation uh about the shit that we love right and so knowing that you enjoyed that makes us feel really good dude thank you so much you you guys you guys are doing a great job so uh definitely don't stop doing it and uh, hopefully see you at a show in the future absolutely (laughs) absolutely all right have a good one dude take care guys bye later (laughs) what a good dude good dude that meant a lot right there at the end man like that's that's what, and that's, you know, when I, when I email people or when I get in touch with people in other means to ask them to come on here, like that's typically what I lead with. I say that, you know, we're not, not necessarily trying to interview anybody. We just want to have more of like an informal chat and, and to hear somebody say that they really enjoyed that, I think is very gratifying. We're doing good work, bro. Yeah, we are, bro. You're the man. Thank you. You are the man. You uh, go relax, enjoy having just gotten back off the road, um, and you and I are going to see each other later this week. Real soon, man. It'd be weird if I don't see you all the time at this point. So I know. I like that we're doing these steady, man. It's it's fun. I feel like we're doing good work. Thanks, everybody. Thank you all. Peace out. We will catch you next time.